0: Hey, welcome to Home Church Podcast. It is a good day to have a good day. I'm Pastor Jerry Kuhn, and I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. My hope is that you will respond to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you in and through this message today. And I believe that he will draw you into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, where you are passionate about loving God, doing good, and being a friend. I hope that you enjoy the message today. before we get started um, we're going to make this announcement at the end of the service as well uh, but I wanted to make a, uh, a special presentation and perhaps an invitation to you tonight is our grilling and chilling uh, with dad last week was Father's Day and we had such a great uh, time within the building uh, we had a lot of great jokes a lot of horrible jokes um, uh, jokes in between and we um, one group was griping that they didn't win and they thought it was rigged and they were cheated and all these things. All I know is one team walked away with trophies and the other team did not. That's just the way it worked Um, and that's the way it happened and uh, we had a great day, a great day in the building celebrating our dads. Encourage them to continue to man up and I hope that you've wore your shirt this week and if you haven't hopefully you'll wear it And, uh, and you'll let everyone else know that you have taken the challenge to man up and to and to be there in the lives of not only your family but the other families around you uh, in a life in our of our society listen men um, I truly believe that if we'll take the place that God has intended for us to take I think that our world will be much better I think that our churches and our families will be much better uh, as well so we want to invite you tonight um, we want to celebrate our dads one more week and uh, so we want you to come and be. In, we're inviting you to our house, 102 East Lake View Court. Uh, I can step outside in the parking lot, take a rock, and almost hit my house. Um, it is directly south of here, and um, you can you you can uh, approach that two different ways. You can go down to Skag City Road and take right on Highland, and you're going to come to the first. Uh, intersection, which will be Lakeview Court. You'll know, Lakeview. Uh, you'll pull pull in that direction, and, uh, and the first little spur to your left will be uh, Lakeview Court. And you could take a left there, and you'll be right there. You could drop off your family and your side dishes, and then you'll we'll have someone directing you around back around to the other side, which will be the um, west side, which is on the other side of the ponds, which you'll be fishing and um we will park on that side of the ponds and so we want to invite you we want you to be there uh, with us now with your dad grilling chicken we have uh fish that's going to be fried we have chicken that's going to be fried we have a lot of fried food oh you got excited you're like i can feel my heart beating already um and so we want you to be a part of that we have hot dogs that will be grilled for our kids and for anybody else that doesn't like chicken or fish and so um, we would love for you to bring a side dish uh, and um, it could be cold or hot however you want to bring it we have a salad bar that will have ice in it that you could put any uh, coleslaw potato salad anything like that pasta salad that you would bring and um, bring enough for your family and that will feed everybody else that shows up and we're so excited uh, for you to be there there will be a fishing tournament so understand you need to bring a fishing pole Um, if you do not have a fishing pole we'll see if you can get you one. And uh, if you want to enter that, Maddox, uh, Dixon will have all the rules. He is in charge of our our fishing tournament. I promise you Um, there is fish in those ponds. And uh, plenty of fish. I have a gentleman that comes by and fishes them almost every other week. And he catches about 13 to 14 in the hour and a half that he's there. And he throws them right back. So I know that they're there. Um, You just have to be able to to catch them. all right? And so come be a part of that. Also, if you have a cornhole board, uh, a set of cornhole boards, bring those. So we will have we have a couple sets, um, but more the merrier, and uh, we love to play cornhole around here. Or maybe I would like to say I like to play a little bit of cornhole, um, and uh, and and I'm kind of a competitor myself, so I love to love to do that. So come and be a part of that. That's at five o'clock. Um, our gentlemen who are cooking fish will be there at four o'clock. They will be slaving in the nice 79 degree weather today. Isn't that nice? Listen, you guys thought it was going to be 102. It's going to be 79. Partly cloudy, isn't that nice? And so we want you to be a part of, of, of that. Um, today we want to go back. Uh, two weeks ago we started a series called Understanding the Holy Spirit. We took a week off and we, we uh, celebrated our fathers by saying, man up, um, be there. Today we want to go back and we want to take you back to uh, our series called Understanding the Holy Spirit. This is part two and it simply uh, is entitled Fruit Happens. I made this statement two weeks ago. Maybe you jutted it down, maybe you remembered it, maybe you did not. So let me make, it, make sure that you are clear. I will always say this, and until they lay me in the ground, our ability to be successful, to be victorious, to live a victorious life um, in this life that we live today, I believe will, will be based upon our understanding of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. I truly believe this. Our ability to be victorious, to live victoriously in this life, will, will depend on our ability to understand the Holy Spirit. And uh, the reason being, our Christian life, our Christian journey, whatever you want to call it, our relationship with God is developed when you and I yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit we are developed we are transformed from glory to glory uh we are not who we used to be and that all takes place as we yield to the holy spirit within our lives the holy spirit uh the third person of the trinity is the person in which god uses to bring forth life to things that are dead order to the things that are disorder or out of order and peace to chaos and i made this statement and hopefully you jotted it down but it just simply is this and that god deals with you and i through His Spirit. But we deal with God through his son. So understand how that relationship works. When God is trying to deal with you and he's trying to change your life and he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to correct some things. Maybe he's trying to comfort you. Maybe he's trying to teach you. He's going to do that through his spirit, his Holy Spirit. When you and I are coming to the father, we approach him through his son. He, his son died on the cross for you and I. He is that mediator between God and us. And so we go to our heavenly father through Jesus. But God deals with us through his Holy Spirit, and, and, um, and that's, that's how we change. Every day, we yield our lives to the Holy Spirit, and he helps us change. In part one of our series, Understanding the Holy Spirit, we learned this. We learned three things. We learn that the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus. He convicts you and I. He reminds you and I of our need for God, for the love of God in our lives. He reminds us that we are sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God, and we are in need of of a Savior. And the second thing that we learned is this. We learned that He brings forth, the Holy Spirit brings forth good within us. We called it the process of sanctification. We, we talked about how the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit begins to start this process of sanctification within our lives. And He's going to follow it through. What the good thing that He started within you, He will finish. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit brings forth good within our life. Everything the Holy Spirit does is good. And He'll bring forth good the third thing that we talked about was how he empowers you and I today to live I I looked at the story with Jesus and his disciples and he's like boys I'm about to leave um and I want you to keep my commandments I want you to love me love my father love God with all your heart your mind and your soul and then I want you to love others as yourself and I can see that going man that's going to be difficult I want you to go preach the word to all of the world I want you to start in Judea and go to Jerusalem Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost. And I can see the disciples going, there is no way we could do this. And then all of a sudden God says, listen, Jesus said, I know. That's the reason I'm going to sin. It's important that I leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit that will empower you, that will help you change, go from glory to glory, that will teach you and that will comfort you along the way. And so today as we dive back into this series, it's been a week, we've been a week off. And so you're like, ah, I don't remember everything that was said. Um, So I'm trying to remind you. I want to, I really want to focus on this topic. And uh, I want this topic to be the thing that keeps you and I focused, all right? So sometimes I I may chase some rabbits. I try not to do that. And so I'm hoping that this topic will keep us focused on the fact that fruit happens. Fruit happens. Hoping it keeps you and I focused this morning. If there's One thing that I have learned over all my life, I'm a young man still. I'm 44. And to some of you are like, no, you're not young. You're old. No, I feel young still. I have to apologize to all the 40-year-old people when I was 18 looking at you going, you're old. Because now I'm 40 going, I'm not old. And so even at 40 years old, 44, there's one thing, if there's one thing that I know about the Holy Spirit. And that is that God sent his spirit to me to help me keep his commandments. If I know anything, listen, I'm just being honest with you and transparent. If there's only one thing that I know about his Holy Spirit, it was sent. He was sent to come into my life to help me to follow God, to live like God, to be like him, to be like Jesus. He was sent to do that. And so I want to take you to Matthew chapter 22 this morning. Matthew chapter 22, I I understand that one of the greatest commandments, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and they're asking him lots of questions. And he makes this statement in verse 37. It says this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. It says, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Verse 38 says this, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I can imagine the disciples going, that's the greatest commandment, is to love you with all of our heart, and all of our mind, and all of our soul, and all of our strength. That's, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And if you ever looked at the Ten Commandments, you'll realize that the loving God takes care of the first three. And loving others takes care of the next seven. If we could just take care of two simple commandments, We take care of everything else. Loving God and loving others. It is something that we established around here that we feel like God gave us a vision for and that is to lead you into a committed relationship with Jesus Christ where you are passionate about loving God, doing good, and being a friend. That encompasses the commandments that God gives you and I. To love him and to love others. Um, This morning I Last week in part one, we established that when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that his Holy Spirit begins to work within us. He begins to live within us. We established that fact in part one. We also established that our lives begin to be transformed by the Holy Spirit into the image of Christ as we yield to the Holy Spirit. So we establish that he comes into our life when we say, God, forgive us. And the spirit begins to dwell within you and I. And we establish that at that point, he begins a work, a sanctification process to make us into who Jesus is. And in Romans chapter 8, we we alluded to this, and I think we just, we talked about it real quickly. But in Romans chapter 8, verses 9 and 13, I want you to look at this real quickly. Listen to what's being said. It says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. So let's just break that down just for a moment, all right? Just for a teaching lesson. You, however, are no longer in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, listen to this, if, in fact, the Spirit of God really dwells within you. So if the Spirit of God dwells within you, you are now walking in the Spirit. You are no longer chasing after your flesh. What a process. He said, now the Holy Spirit has come to live within you. There's this process that's taking place. Look at verse 13. This is powerful. For if you're living, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. You will burn up in your flesh. Your lustful desires will take over and will destroy your life. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you will not make it to heaven because you have burned up in your lustful flesh. Your flesh took control. It's about it. Paul said it like this. He said, man, I have to beat my body into subjection so it'll do what it doesn't want to do. I promise you, I don't wake up every morning going, whoa! I don't wake up every morning morning, say, I can't wait today that I yield my, my whole spirit and life to the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's, there's struggles to all of us, isn't it? But it's the moment that we say, you know what, God, I yield my life to you. I yield. Because this is what happens in verse 13. But if... For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, think about this. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Listen to the if. If by the Spirit, not by you, it's not by your might nor your power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. If by the Spirit you put to death your flesh, then you will live. And so it's this moment that we realize that, man, the Spirit of God empowers us to live a victorious life over sin. You don't have to say yes to your flesh every day. You don't have to give in to the temptation that you have before you. You don't have to face life the same way you always face life before coming to know Jesus. You don't have to. Listen, I'm just telling you today, you don't have to go back to the old habits. You don't have to, because if you allow the Spirit of God to dwell within you, and if you defeat the flesh through your spirit, you will live. You'll live victoriously today. Fruit happens, my friend. When we accept Jesus Christ, something changes within us. The Spirit of God begins to dwell, and it's obviously that fruit Fruit happens. I don't know about you, but I love apples. I absolutely love apples. I love apple pies. My mother-in-law makes a fabulous apple pie. Hint, hint, hint. Apple pie, I love it. But you know what I realized? That a healthy apple tree will produce apples. It just can't help itself. A healthy apple tree will always produce apples. It just can't help it. That's what it's been It's made for. A healthy, listen, a healthy apple tree, a healthy watermelon vine will produce watermelons. That's what it's made for. A healthy apple tree will produce apples. That's what it does. A believer, and perhaps I could say a healthy believer, one who has accepted Jesus and is doing his or her best to yield to the Spirit, will produce fruit. Ask just what happens. It's just like a healthy apple tree. It can't help itself. It produces apples. And a true believer of Christ cannot help but produce fruit. That's the way it is. In our life today, I'm telling you, I love, I love um, going through our community and uh, our community coming up to me and going, oh, man, so-and-so goes to the church that you pastor. Men, man, their life has changed. You know why they're saying that? It's because now they see that your fruit is different. They see the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you on the outside now. I believe that the Holy Spirit does a work on the inward that shows on the outward. He starts on it. The church has always got it backwards for so long. We try to work on your outside instead of the inside. And the Bible's like, hey, the Holy Spirit's gonna come and live on the inside. He's gonna change on the inside and everybody will see it on the outside because fruit, fruit, It happens. John chapter 15, I'm going to try to explain this just for a moment. I am not going to try to get done. I have 17 pages. It's not going to happen today. I normally preach from nine. It's not going to happen. It's okay. And I have accepted that because I think this is very important. So I'm going to try to stay slow and and try to um, communicate as best as I can. And so in John chapter 15, verses one through 11, we find Jesus speaking to his disciples again. And well, he makes a powerful statement. And I want you to see this. Again, a healthy apple tree cannot help but produce apples. A healthy watermelon vine can't help but produce watermelon. Look at John chapter 15, verse one through 11. Jesus says, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, that does not bear fruit well he takes it away and every branch that does bear fruit well he prunes it that it may produce more fruit so just think about that just for a moment branches that are not producing he's going to do away with branches that are producing and maybe they're not healthy branches so they're not producing a lot of fruit he's going to prune them so that they can produce more. And even the healthy blind branches that are producing fruit, he's going to continue to prune them so they can produce more fruit. It's just what we do. Believers produce fruit. Look at verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. What a process here. Man, there's a statement that's being made by Jesus. He's saying, listen, there's, there's some work here on your side. If you will abide in me, I will definitely abide in you. And he says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. You and I today, we cannot produce fruit unless we are attached to the vine. Unless Christ lives in us, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we cannot have the fruit of the Spirit. He says, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Listen to what Jesus is trying to describe to us. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For a part of me, you could do nothing. Listen to what he's saying. A healthy believer will just produce fruit. Fruit happens. Verse 6 says this. If anyone that does not abide in me, um, abide in me he is thrown away like a branch that withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. Verse 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Here's that process of that's happening on the inside that all of a sudden everybody sees on the outside. It proves that you are actually disciples. Again, a believer will produce fruit. It's just the way it happens. Verse 9 says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... Listen to this. Oh, this is amazing. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. How do we abide in Jesus? By keeping his commandments. How do we keep the commandments? His Holy Spirit is going to empower you to do so. And he goes on and says this. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide and and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be what a beautiful story or analogy that Jesus is using to his disciples. And for those who are farmers today, you're like, I get it. I get that when my tomato plants are not producing the way they need to produce, I all I have to do is cut it back a little bit and prune it. Man, and they just, they produce so much more and they're beautiful and they're big. And you and I today... What a great description of Christ, of, of God, looking at us today and saying, listen, I'm the vine dresser, my son is the branch, and you abide in him, I will abide in you, um, and he will abide in you, and, and man, I'm going to, time after time, speak into your life through the Holy Spirit to change you, to prune you, to help you grow to the next level. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit is to do, prune us, get us to the next level, um, but the question is this what is fruit I mean really what is fruit and what does it look like I mean this is 2022 what does fruit look like I mean what, I mean um we talked about a healthy apple producing apples it doesn't produce bananas it doesn't produce watermelon a seed produces after its own kind and so Christ living inside of us the spirit living inside of us we will produce the things of Christ and nothing else I want you to look at this real quickly, because the truth is that your flesh also produces fruit. Think about this for a moment. The question is, what is fruit and what does it look like? But, but did you know today the truth is that your flesh produces fruit, and so does your spirit. The spirit produces fruit, but so does your flesh. And to, so, to answer those questions, you must know the difference. And I want to read this to you in Galatians chapter five, verses sixteen through twenty-six. We're going to read this, and I read it, I'm reading, I normally will read after, out of the ESV. That's the English Standard Version. Today, this scripture is being read out of the NLT, the New Living Translation. It breaks it down, and I really want to read how, it's, how it speaks it to you and I today. And I want you to see the difference between the product of our flesh and the product of of our of His Spirit, so I want you to think about that. The byproduct—it just happens of when we allow our flesh to control our lives. There's going to be a product that's going to happen. There's going to be things that happen, and but if we allow the Spirit of God to dwell in our lives and to to rule our lives and to be led by His Spirit and to walk in His Spirit, then there's byproduct. There's fruit. Fruit just happens. Look at this, verse sixteen, Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen. It says, "So I say." Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Wow. (laughs) I don't know if I can get any simpler than that. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, your flesh. Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what our sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So can you imagine, I know we've all watched cartoons and we got the little uh, devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other shoulder. And we're like, um, sometimes we listen to the angel more than the devil. And sometimes we listen to the devil more than the angel. There's this constantly battle between your flesh And the spirit of God that dwells within you. And there's this constant battle of doing good. Because to your flesh, I never had to teach any of my kids to do bad. They just did it. It was like, I mean, I didn't. I I did not have to teach my kids any cuss words. Um, um, Only one of my child children cussed. It was Tatum. We had a spanker. Um, All the other ones we have never heard. Or maybe my in-laws never told me if they did after I spanked Tatum. I don't know. But what we know is I never had to teach my kids to do bad. I didn't have to teach my kids how to lie. I didn't have to teach my kids how to do anything. That's nature. That's a part of our sinful nature. Um, my mom and dad didn't have to teach me how to get into trouble. I knew how to get in trouble. <laughs> it was naturally. And so we find that there's this battle between the Spirit and between our flesh. And I want you to look at this. In verse 18. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are no longer under obligation to the law of Moses when you follow desires of your sinful nature the results the product the the fruit are very clear I want you to look at this because these are the fruit of our flesh all right when it controls our life this is what happens and it goes on and says this sexual immorality impurity lustful pleasures adultery sorcery hostility quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other signs, other sins like these. I'm sure that Paul could continue on for a long time. He said other things like this. He, He was probably tired of writing while he was in jail. He said, I could list lots of things, but these are the ones that I wanted to hit. And then he says things like these. And then he goes on, he says, let me tell you again, as as I have before, that anyone living this sort of a lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I know that's strong preaching and some of you are like, I don't like that. But I'm not saying it. I'm just repeating what the word is saying. (laughs) I just want you to know that there is, our flesh will have a product. Our flesh, if we let it control our lives, it, this is the desires of it. Desires of envy and drunkenness and wild parties and other other sins like these. Verse 22 says this, but the Holy Spirit. Remember, we're understanding, we're trying to understand the Holy Spirit this morning. So let's look at it, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. So we notice today the fruit of our flesh, but then he goes on and lists the fruit of the Spirit. He said, I want you to know what the Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And He says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross, and they are crucis- crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, every aspect. Let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading. Verse 26 says this, let us not become conceited or provoke one another. Or be jealous of one another. Fruit is a byproduct of our flesh or perhaps our spirit. That's what it is. Fruit happens. I pray today that you're producing good fruit. I'm praying today that you are seeing the byproduct of, your, of the Spirit of God and not your flesh. And all of us, I believe today, have experienced both fruit. We've tasted both of them. And I believe that you enjoyed the fruit of the spirit, but you perhaps didn't enjoy, or maybe you did for a season, the fruit of your flesh. And I pray today that God, his spirit would continue to guide you and that you will lead, he will, but that you will yield to the guiding of his spirit. Today, I want to spend some time. I, uh, we, listing in Galatians, the, the fruit of the flesh is all we're going to say today. That's for another time another hour and a half. Um, But today we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to look at, um, I don't know why I did that, like I had my watch. Siri last time messed me up, so I was like, I am, I'm not going to wear my watch today. Um, um, But I'm going to spend the rest of the time that we have talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Notice today when we read in Galatians, it did not say fruits. It was singular because fruit is interconnected. When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, all of those nine fruit that we talked about, all are interconnected. Meaning this, if I love someone, I'm going to be patient with them as well. If I love someone, I'm going to also be patient. Those two are fruit and they're interconnected. And so it's almost like opening an orange and you have all these different departments. And then you have love and peace and joy and patience and long-suffering. All of this is a part of the fruit and that fruit is evident in our lives when we become a followers of Christ and we yield ourselves. Here's the first one. We're going to break all nine fruit together, and we're going to try to make it as practical as possible today. I've only been going for 25 minutes, so settle. We got 20 more. <laughs> love. For the, fruit, the fruit of love It's the foundation, perhaps, of all of the spiritual fruit. Love. How many of you guys know that the Bible specifically tells us today that if we do not have love, we, we're just spinning our wheels. We're making noise, but we're not doing anything. Love. is so important today to have love. Um, I, I've always told young ministers, I said, listen, I don't know a whole lot. I'm not very intelligent, but one thing that I can do, and this comes natural to me, is to love. I can love. I'm pretty good at that. Everything else, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but I know how to care about people. I know how to love people. Everything else I struggle at. And I said, if you could just watch me, how I interact with people, I think it will help you. But that's all I know. I know that love is so, so important. And love is a fruit of the Spirit. And love is the counterintuitive decision to desire the best for another person, even if it, even if it comes at a personal level cost to us that's love when I think for the best of you even if it comes to a cost to me love is this love is a commitment to others freely given without counting the cost or calculating one's own profit that's love today I don't know where that's at in your life or in your job or school or wherever you're at today um, in life but love is a commitment to others that's what it is. Love is the ability to listen and to learn from others. That's the, probably the greatest expression of love. If I could sit down and just listen to you and learn from you. I, I tell young people all the time, I tell my kids all the time, listen, you don't have to learn from your mistakes. You can learn from mine. I mean, hey, I've been there. I've done some stupid stuff. I've had some fruit of my flesh that I did not like. So learn from my mistakes. You don't have to go through that same mistake once you watch someone else and learn from them i I think sitting down with someone and experiencing life with them and talking about life that is the greatest expression of love my wife doesn't want me to fix all of her problems i try not that she has a lot of problems that sounded really bad like my wife is a walking problem but she wants me to listen she wants me just to listen not try to fix everything i try to fix everything men are fixers I was like, I'll take care of that employee, co-employee. Just let me talk to them. I'll fix that person. My wife's like, I just want you to listen. Greatest expression of love. Love is the, love speeds the growth of trust. When you love someone and you express that love to someone, you let that fruit in your life begin to develop. I got to tell you today, it grows trust with someone else in their life. Is the antidote for selfishness and contempt. Love is. Love is a constant, a constant love toward others, even those you don't even like. Isn't that hard, though? Can I just ask you a question? I'm asking a question. You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you struggle on loving someone that doesn't love you? How many of you struggle on loving someone that you just don't like? You're like, Me. (laughs) I think that we all struggle in that area. Trying to love someone that's unlovable. You're like, is anybody unlovable? I think I've met a few. <laughs> they make it difficult to love them, I guess. But being able to love them, even when you don't agree. Listen, I have, you have to hear this. Some of you are growing in, in, in this fruit. Love. Even when you don't agree with somebody, you can still love them. In the world that we live in, listen, I know, I know the outcome this last week. I know what happened. I I, I know that um, road versus Wade was overturned. I get that. And for a part of me, I'm so excited about that. I really am. But the other side of me, I'm nervous for the church because I don't know if the church is ready to step up. I want you to hear me. (sighs) I am excited that they overturned that because I am pro-life. I'll fight for life, but I'm nervous because I don't know if you're ready. I don't know if the church is ready to take on the responsibility. I want you to think about that for a moment. The responsibility of training our young girls, of teaching them, of helping them, helping them when they did make a mistake. Maybe they are pregnant, and now they're looking for a solution. And the solution is not abortion, I get that. But now we as a church, we're going to have to step up, because I don't think that we've ever stepped up. I think we've always taken a back seat to that controversial subject that is very difficult to talk about. And so, church, I'm just telling you, I'm excited. It's a win. Give it three. But I'm telling you, the church will have to step up and we're going to have to love no matter what you agree with, no matter how you see it, no matter what side of the fence you stand on. There has to be a love that is shown. And so, I got to tell you, the days to come, the weeks to come, the months to come, the years to come, this is going to continue to bring a division. And we as a church cannot fight against it. We have to show the love. We can't fight against their opinion is what I'm saying. We can't fight against that. We can't, we got to show them love. And we got to speak that love. Here's the second one. Anybody else mouth dry like mine? The fruit of joy. Uh, in December, where's Charity? Charity, where are you at? I thought, oh, she's in nursery. She tells me all the time, she goes, Pastor, I remember that sermon that you preached in December about joy. And I said that joy was the understanding, the knowing down deep in your heart that no matter what you face in life, everything is going to be all right. There's a a joy that comes from God that, man, I don't care what you face in life. You can put a smile on your face, not because everything's hunky-dory, not because everything's perfect in your life, and not because you're happy. It's because you have an understanding that everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to turn out for your good. Because you love him and you serve him. And this morning, I got to tell you today, there is great, great joy. And it's a powerful asset in tough times. Joy is a mindset, as I said. It's a mindset that no matter what happens in life, everything's going to be God has my back. It comes from a powerful, from powerful memories of, of our in our hope through faith in our eternal future with with God there is this powerful joy that knows where I'm going I know that I'm going to make it to heaven I know that God has prepared a place for me and there's something about that that gives me a joy on my face that knows that God is coming back for me someday joy is powerful because it can dispel any gloom or negativity helping us to recover our momentum and stride. How many of you guys know that you can feel like there's moments in your life, you feel like you're making great stride and you are, you are really moving forward in your relationship with God. And then all of a sudden a situation or maybe even a person comes into your life and speaks something and all of a sudden that negativity just stops it. But there's something down deep in you called joy. It's the fruit that all of a sudden it says, everything's gonna be all right. It begins to say, I, I don't care what this person's thinking and I don't care what I'm going through. Everything. Is going to be alright. Most of you in this room realize that joy is different than happiness. Happiness is conditional. Um, I've been happy before. Uh, Listen, um, I was very happy that we went to Mexico. That was a very happy moment, alright. I can't wait to go. I want to be happy again. Go back to Mexico. Um, I'm I'm happy today because my my yard is mowed and it's nice and cut and it looks great. I'm happy. I'm happy that my lawnmower started, alright. That's just the way it is. I'm happy. I mean, happy is conditional, but joy is not. Joy comes from God, and joy is a way that reminds me every day with a mindset that I don't matter what happens in life, everything's going to be, okay, in spite of all the circumstances, in spite of how my wife feels or how my children feel, everything's going to be, I have this joy down deep within my, my soul. Joy is powerful. I watched a family in this room today uh, receive some bad news about health. And I still watched joy on this lady's face, knowing everything was gonna be all right. I watched something down deep within her rise up and say, you know what? It's gonna be all right. And she was joyful. The family was joyful. No, they didn't like that they have to go through this situation. They don't like that they have to take chemo. They don't like that they go through to the city every day. No, they don't like that. But you can see the joy all over them. And that's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit is a powerful defense against bad news, against fear of the things that you never know if it's going to happen or not. Fear. Joy is a defense of that. Here's the next one. Fruit of the fruit of, spe- of, of peace, the fruit of peace. How many of you guys are stressful lately? <laughs> like, go ahead. Yeah. I saw some hands immediately jumped up in the air. I think life is stressful right now. I think it's, if you don't feel it in your marriage with your children, you don't feel it at work, um, I, I believe you feel stress in those areas of your life. And, and I got to feel, I got to believe that peace, peace is a cure for stress. I love that the Holy Spirit comes into our life that calls peace to the chaos that may be going on. Oh man, some of you, you walk into your home and you're like, this is chaos. <laughs> you walk into your work, your work job um, and you're like, this is chaos. God, I need you to bring peace into my life because I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this day. Anybody been like that? God, I need your peace because, man, today I've already walked in here. I just put my, I, I just timed in the time clock and I, this is crazy. This is chaotic. I need your peace. Peace is a deep sense of contentment and well-being rooted in our relationship with with God. It, all listen and all that jesus accomplished for us in his sacrifice there's so much that jesus did on the cross that you and i that i think that we don't utilize and we don't take advantage of so much that god has done for us peace saloon it means more than the absence of conflict it means completeness soundness and well-being it is not just something eternal um, that we have someday. It is what we have now. It's not something that we're looking forward to possessing. It's something that we can actually possess now. It's not something, hey, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have this peace. No! You can have peace now in the world that you live in. In the chaos that you live in today, you can have and experience peace. Peace can be experienced regardless of your circumstance. Peace comes by grace of God and God alone. Peace. Peace I leave with you. Not what the world leaves you, but peace I give you. And, um, How many of you guys realize you can't earn peace? You can't earn it. God gives it through his grace, and I'm so thankful. Peace gives a a steady hand under pressure. It puts everyday pressure into perspective. Peace does. I know your job is stressful. My job is stressful, too. You won't believe who my boss is. It's stressful. You don't believe it. I have, listen... Actually, I have a great boss, and his dad's here, i got to say that. Um, I have a great boss, and he works, you know. um, But it can be stressful. All of us can have stress in our life, and I can tell you that peace brings perspective. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7 says this, "'Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank Him for what He has already done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can ever understand.'" His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Here's that, um, I love the phrase, as you live in Christ Jesus. Remember we looked at John chapter 15 and he says, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. Here's this aspect of living in. And and so we find that even here he says, listen, um, you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we could ever imagine or understand. His peace will guard your hearts. And we need that today We regard our hearts and our minds as we live in Christ. As we abide in him, he will abide in us. And then all of a sudden, fruit happens. Peace happens. And we have this peace that comes up. Let's look at patience this morning. Okay, so what was that? I heard someone go, ugh, talking about patience. <laughs> it was Brenda. I know, I know her voice. Brenda made this uh, sound we got to talk about patience I heard someone say one time I paid for I prayed for patience and God really took me through the test Um, God took me through a path that I didn't want to go through to learn patience Um, patience happens listen I love the thought that the fruit happens and when the spirit of God lives inside of you and he dwells there and he has ownership of there and you yield to him all of a sudden we find that patient happens. Patient means consistency. Think about that just for a moment. Patience means consistency. This is learning to remain constant no matter what's happening at the moment that you're facing. Being patient, being consistent. James chapter one, verses two through four says this, my brethren, count it all joy. <laughs> and how many of you will count it joy? Is it counted all joy when you fall into virus, uh, various situations um, Trials, virus, no one, no one counted coronavirus as a joy, did we? You're like, ah, I fell into a virus, it's called corona! And none of us counted that joy. It says, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see how the fruit is being produced in our lives? He said, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking absolutely nothing. This morning, as we talked about the Holy Spirit, the fruit, fruit happens today. Every one of us needs a little bit more patience, perhaps with our spouse, with our children, with our job, with life itself, being more consistent. Um, In life, all of us need that patience, and that's part of the the spirit. Here's the kindness. Let's look at the fruit kindness. Kindness is the daily demonstration of love. Have you ever met a really kind person? I think that Jenny, and I shouldn't point her out like this, but I think that Jenny is probably one of the kindest persons I know, except for me. I'm pretty kind. Nah. No. I think Jenny is a very, very kind person. And I love it because it's the demonstration, daily demonstration of love. Remember I said that it's not fruits of the Spirit, it's fruit of the Spirit. They're all intertwined and interconnected. Love. He said, all of a sudden we find that kindness is the expression of love daily. And I know people that are very kind. Matthew chapter 5 verse 41 says this. It says... And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. What a kindness. What a kindness. is a daily demonstration of, of, of love. Kindness is visible demonstration of your feeling toward others. And it must be cultivated. Some of us struggle with being kind. And we have to cultivate it every day. You say, hey, listen, i got to cultivate that I'm not a kind person. But I'm working on being kind. Kind. Kindness is often the way people see, perceive, and receive our love. I want you to think about that for a moment. Kindness is how is the way people see, they perceive, and they receive our love. It's how we're kind to them. The better you get at practicing kindness is the more readily those around you will trust you. How many of you guys have been around Jenny and you feel like you could trust her because she's so kind? I would say... Um, that Ginny would go the extra mile for you. I'm not going to tell her that she's, I mean, I'm not going to put that on her. I think she would. She's kind. She's like, I will not go the extra mile for you. But now she's forced to because we all, someone ask her to do something for you and see if she'll go an extra mile. A culture of kindness can be cultivated by simple acts of appreciation to those that you love, Those who are around you, those who you go to school with, those who you work with. Kindness is expressing care about those um, around you. Like I said, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. Have you ever ever heard that phrase? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Kindness. Kindness. Expression. Daily expression of love. Here's the, the next fruit. We're moving. We've got a few more. Goodness goodness. Goodness is the intentional choosing and doing the right thing today. These are the fruit of the Spirit that is alive in you. You know why? Is because if you are a believer, fruit happens. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and He begins to produce fruit. And I love it because His goodness is not acting, it's not an act of not sinning. So listen to this. Goodness is not the act of not sinning. Standing for goodness is understanding that our human nature always will fall short of the glory of God. Yet we choose the high road. So I know that you may sin against me. I know you may offend me, but I am going to do good and I'm going to take the high road and I'm going to be the better person. I'm going to do good. I told you earlier that our vision is to lead you into a committed relationship with Jesus Christ, where you are passionate about loving God, doing good, and being a friend. Doing good. I think that our world needs to see you and I do good. Why is it that we went down and we mingled on Maine and all we did was smile and give out the cinnamon puffs that Andy thinks are the greatest thing since sliced bread? He's like, those are great. They melt in your mouth. They're amazing. I'll take three. Um, why? Why is it that we do it and we want nothing in return? It's because that's just good. Why is it that you want to go the extra mile and show kindness? Because that's good. That is good. Good. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 9 says this. People with integrity walk safely. But those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. Goodness. It's the intentional choosing of doing what is right. The right thing. You know why I, I, I know you could do the right thing? is because if the Holy Spirit dwells within you, it's a fruit. You know why I think you could be not only good, but you could have peace? is because the Holy Spirit dwells within you, and that is fruit. You know why I think today that you could be faithful? Because that's a fruit. Faithfulness is the power to preserve. I want you to look at this next fruit. Faithfulness is the practice of a holding fast to what you have, what you have promised in the face of challenges. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is sticking with it even when the job is more difficult than expected. Faithfulness. I want someone to know this morning that you may be facing the hardest thing in your life. The most difficult thing that you could ever think of. I want you to know that the thing that lives inside of you, he who lives inside of you, is greater than he that's in the world. I want you to know that there is a fruit that develops within you. And it's called faithfulness. And it's the ability to stick with it even when time gets difficult. Faithful. It's a fruit that's produced by the Spirit that lives inside of you. It just happens. A healthy apple tree produces apple. It can't help itself. And a believer can't help but be good. A believer can't help but be faithful because it's the fruit of the Spirit that lives in you. Psalms chapter 15, verse 4 says this, those who honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. Those who despise fragrant sinners and and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep the promises even when it hurts. Faithful. Fruit. Gentleness. Gentleness. I think that Jenny's not only kind but she's pretty gentle too. I don't know why I'm picking on you Jenny. I'm sorry. That I just see you Jenny. You're just always in my eyesight Jenny. I'm sorry. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 2 says this when pride listen gentleness is the mark of humility. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 2 says when pride comes then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 23 says this. A man's pride will bring him low. But the humble in in spirit will retain honor. Being gentle. Gentleness and patience work hand in hand. It is an attitude of brokenness. True gentleness comes from knowing what it's like to desperately need gentleness from others and from God. Have any of you ever been in your life where you just needed someone to be gentle with you? To be kind? Everything in your life was turned upside down and you just need someone to come in with gentle hands and help you? Not with firm hands, not to tell you what you were doing wrong, but to come in and love you and be gentle with you. Gentleness can often gain cooperation from others. In your life today, be at your work Gentleness can often gain cooperation with others when we humbly seek from others to avoid making mistakes. Oftentimes, it is the difference between responding and reacting. Gentleness. Let me let that sink in just for a moment. It is often the difference between responding and reacting, being gentle with somebody. And I will tell you today, you have the ability to be gentle you do if the spirit of god dwells within you you have the ability to be gentle you have the ability to be kind you have the ability to be faithful you have those ability why because it's the fruit fruit happens here's the last one and i would like to spend 30 minutes on this but i will not you find for whatever reason we will perhaps pick this apart and and say Whatever we want to, I've read a lot of different commentaries. I've read a lot of different um, men's perspective on this. And they say that um, in Galatians in chapter 5, when we read off the fruit of the Spirit, we find that love is the first one that's mentioned. And we find that self-control is the last one that's mentioned. Some will say that those are bookends. We say that everything, love and self-control, holds all the fruit together. Maybe so. Maybe it's a good study for you. Well, we find that self-control is so important in our life. I told you earlier that, that Paul said, man, there's times that my flesh wants to control and I have to beat it into subjection. I have to choose every day to live for God. I have to choose to yield to his spirit. I have to choose to let the fruit of the spirit be evident in my life. And I have to use self-control. You know why I know that you are able not to go back to the habits of your past Is because of self-control in your life. You know why I know that you can watch what you say to someone when you know you want to say it, but you know it's not proper to say it. You know it's not profitable to say it because you have self-control. You know why I I believe you can act like a believer in the restaurant that you're about to go to and you're going to be nice to the waitress even when they're out of something that you really want? Because you have self-control. You know why I believe that you can forgive somebody that has hurt you? Because you have self-control, and you have kindness, and you have gentleness, and you have love. Because that is the fruit. Fruit happens. Proverbs chapter 25. Pastor Kelly, would you guys come? Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says this. Like a city whose walls are broken... Through is a person who lacks control. Let me read that again. Like a city whose walls are broken, through is a person, is a person who lacks control. I love it. Because I think that there are so many of us in this room today that so desire to be victorious in their walk with Christ in their life. But because perhaps you lack in this area of self control, you find yourself in this vicious cycle over and over and over. Repeating the things that you never wanted to repeat. Finding yourself perhaps experiencing the fruit of your flesh again that you never wanted to experience. I didn't want to go there, I didn't want to go back to that. But for whatever reason, you haven't let the self control truly be the bookend of the fruit. I have to self-control to truly love somebody. I have to control myself. I have to choose to love you. Some of you are more lovable than others. It's just the way life is, right? My wife is way more lovable than me. I promise you. But I have to choose. And it's a self-control thing. I, I I want you to know that people with self-control well they can handle the heat and the stress of situations and they can also handle the setbacks they have self-control showing self-control is a good way to steadily accumulate trust over time and gain the reputation for being a steady and reliable believer I was talking to Derek and Kaya and if you haven't got to meet them you're missing out, they're good people but I was talking to them yesterday after our kids camp out and he was showing a video of his daughter and uh, I about called him last night because I wanted to, I wanted that video Derek, I was like this is be perfect right here in this moment to show this video, his little daughter Brinkley who is going to, she's a natural born leader and I can't wait to see her life developed right before our eyes but she was walking around he was showing me this video and I'm like is she in the bathroom and he's like yeah she has my phone and she's hiding because she knows she wasn't supposed to be on my phone but she's videotaping herself and it's funny I mean although we want to get onto her for not doing it she's older than five now but she she's videotaping herself and she goes through giving a Bible lesson and she's preaching videoing herself and she, at the end, almost in the end of the video, in the middle of the video, she asked this question. She said, the question is this. And Derek, if I butcher this, you're going to have to help me. The question is this. Is, when are we going to have self-control over our sins? That's the question. <sighs> Five years old. And she said, the question, the main question is this. Is self-control over our sins. And I'm going to ask you that question today. When are you going to allow the fruit of the Spirit to develop so that you have self-control over your sins? (laughs) When you say, you know what, old flesh, you're no longer in charge. You don't get to make the decisions anymore. Oh, yeah, I would like to go do that. And perhaps I would like to cuss that guy out, but that's not my language anymore. That's not how I'd handle things. Oh, I would like to give her the bird for cutting me off, but I don't do that anymore. I have I have let that bird go The bird is free. I don't keep the bird around anymore Can we edit that (laughs) is that possible Listen, I know i'm not stephen furtick or those guys that get million views and and then they get critiqued for everything that they say But that could be very critiqued right there But I'm asking you, when are you gonna have that self-control? Self-control touches all of the other fruit and it guards us against moral moral failure that costs costs you your reputation, your career, and your testimony. I wanna say that again, for those who are new believers, for those who are babes in Christ, self-control is very important. Because it will protect you against moral failure, costing your reputation, costing your career, costing your positions, costing your testimony. All my life, I grew up in a small town, just like this. It was this town. (laughs) All my life, I got saved in sixth grade. And and when I got to high school, I would tell teachers that When I was in second grade, Mrs. Bingham would spank me. She would give me two spanks. I would walk off the bus. I would go right into her office and she would spank me twice. And she would say, now, Mr. Kuhn, have a good day today. And I'm like, I will, I will. And I remember walking into her office at lunchtime and she said, Mr. Kuhn, what did you do today? I need more spanks, Mrs. Bingham. And she would spank me again every day from christmas on until may i went into miss bingham's class in her office and she spanked me i hated her but she loved me she loved me i think she loved i don't know if there's any other kid that got spanked that year but me but she loved me i say that because when i got into high school i would tell teachers that she would spank me every day they were like not you no way you never acted like that in your life i'm like yeah i did Yeah, I did. I told that bus driver where to go. It wasn't very nice. It wasn't McDonald's. It wasn't. I told him where to go. I was a sinner. But there came a point in my life in sixth grade that I said, God, forgive me. He cleaned up my mouth. His spirit began to change me, change my habits. And I began to build a reputation. And I said, God, I know that you have called me to come back to Tecumseh. And I want you to help me protect my reputation. Because I want nothing to ever stop me, to be able to minister in my own hometown when I come back. And I'm thankful today that fruit happens. It just happens. I didn't have to work too hard at it. I just had to yield my life to the Spirit, and the Spirit began to work on me, knowing... The Bible says when I draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to me. I always wondered about that. I'm like, does that mean I'm getting closer to heaven? I mean, is it like from point A to point B a distance thing? It's not a distance thing. It's not. It's an understanding thing. When I draw nigh to Him, getting into God's Word, God will begin to reveal Himself to you that draws Him closer to you. My wife and I have been married for twenty five years. I I'm closer to her now than I was when we first got married. Our likes and dislikes have become very similar. Our hobbies have become very similar. We're closer today than we were twenty five years ago. And my relationship with God, I have realized I have gone closer to Him. I have. A, he says, "If you'll draw nigh to me, I'll draw." draw nigh to you. I reveal to you who I am and you will be closer to who I am. And the Holy Spirit has changed me. So understanding the Holy Spirit today, His fruit, His fruit is a byproduct of Him living inside of you. Would you stand? Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more messages or find a service time, you can visit us at our website, homechurchtecumseh.com, for more information. And thank you again. And until next time, love God, do good, and be a friend. Be blessed.